American football in Finland. The voice in your ears is Perfect Purvis, and this is American Football in Finland. Today, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Coach Q and Chris Green. What's going on, fellas? What's going on? What's up, everyone? It is good to be back. The AFF Podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, YouTube, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are now on more than 30 different platforms in a lot of different countries as well. So wherever you listen, be sure to rate us. Anything less than five stars would tell us that you are a hater. If you're listening to my voice, you're now part of the AFF community. But don't be shy about supporting us. Head over to our website and order some AFF swag. Get a t-shirt for this beautiful summer weather. Or a comfy hoodie you can rock all year long. And if you really want the drip, scoop up one of our limited edition snapback caps. Everything you need to represent the AFF community can be found on our website at AmericanFootballInFinland.com forward slash merch. T-I-F. And never forget T-I-F. Okay, so it's first down. We get a chance to start fresh and talk about whatever's on our minds. Q, kick it off. What's up with you? All right, not much, man. I'm ready to get into this. Ready to get into it, man. Ain't nothing going on over here but some sunshine and palm trees. That's it. <laughs> what about you, Chris? Uh, so I recently cut my hair. So the man bun is gone. Three years and three months I was growing up. Uh, but I've donated it to a really good charity here in the UK. So that was always the plan eventually. So, yeah, it's gone. I, th- I reckon I look about five years younger now as well. <laughs> <laughs> You're the same age as me, but if you say so, man. If you <laughs> oh, say so, like, you, I mean, if you say so, uh, I don't know. I guess if you were more like down, or if you had like a mustache or something, like I feel like facial hair makes you look like aged more than hair does. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I feel like pinch like, cut me. That's who he looks like. He looks <laughs> That's like what he looks like now. Looks <laughs> <laughs> like a young Spencer Cutler. That's what he looks like. Spencer will take offense to that. Like you can never replace, you can never uh, replicate that. But um, for me, I guess nothing really going on either. I mean, good weekend of football in Finland. That has been exciting. I'm excited to get into the show too. So before we get into it, let's go to our players of the week. We've announced them on social media earlier, but of course we have to, you know, get into our picks this week and explain to you why we chose them. We'll kick it off with the offensive player, Pierce Dumay. Uh, I changed his position from receiver to athlete for Hilsa Hughes. <laughs> yeah, real. He this week. Real. Uh, he had just thrown out his stats four receptions, 113 yards, one tub, six receptions, six rushes, 69 yards, two touchdowns. And then he was one for one passing with 12 for 12 yard touchdown and one touchdown. And he had 252 all-purpose yards for a total of four touchdowns. Oh, uh, Q, tell us a little bit about what you saw from Dumay. Man, you know what? He, hey, shouts out to uh, Pierce Dumay, man. Uh, pretty, great athlete, fast, speed, everything. My only thing is, why did they wait till they were down <laughs> two games to start giving this man the ball like this? I know a lot of coaches like try to wait till, till the, further in the season before they start opening up the playbook, but like, they were literally struggling to score, you know, a lot of points. And then all of a sudden you're playing the Wolverines and now you want to run 
give him the ball out of the backfield. He should have been doing this from day one. Obviously, the guy can ball. Obviously, he can run. He can play any position. So I just I was just worried why they didn't do it before. But player of the week, he he got it hands down, man. Like balled out, did everything possible um, against his team. So shout out to Pierce Dumay. What about you, Chris? What did you think about his play this week? I mean, Q pretty much said it all. He's he is the definition of athlete. He is that. And when you can do more things, you can catch the ball, you can pass the ball, you can run the ball. It just opens up so many different options in your offensive play calling scheme and in your playbook. He's a Swiss Army knife. He can do bits of everything, even in the return game as well. Electric yeah. in the return yeah. game too. So yeah, definitely hands down player of the week. Yeah. No questions asked. Like the Roosters just need to get the ball to him more. And mm-hmm. moving forward, that's that's their key to success, I guess. Is you just get feeding, finding ways to get him the ball. I'm a hundred percent sure that I said that last week that they need to find a way yeah. to make him the the key point in their offense. And I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Give the man the ball. And, yeah, <laughs> give him the ball and look to what he does. I think that's it's a it was a really good coming out game for Pierce Dumay. I think those first two weeks, what the the Roosters had planned for him didn't go according to plans, and they weren't able to make it about him. And then they made a, a center point that hey, this guy is going to touch the ball. And he he made it worth it. He just it was really impressive because I feel like this is something we're gonna see more from Pierce Dumay. Um, even though this week he just exploded, what four total touchdowns in three different ways. <laughs> just that's just crazy, and it doesn't happen that often in the Maple League that you can you know control a game like that. I mean, again, they did play the Wolverines, but that still doesn't take away from what he did because most of this was all in the first half which is all I really respect about that that game anyways. But moving on, the defensive player, we have Zach Wright, defensive back from Corvu Butchers. He had four and a half tackles, two interceptions. Q, what were your thoughts on his play? I think he was very active in the secondary. Um, came up with some big play picks um, when they needed it, too. Um, gave that defense, gave that team a lot of momentum on those plays. Uh, uh, one or two times, well, actually one time I know they were driving and uh, – and he got a good pick almost, I think, in the red zone or something. So um, he had a great game. I mean, that's a good, you know, good guy to have back there um, against any team. If you know they're going to throw it, you know, he's kind of like a ball hawk. He's always around the ball. So deservingly well, he he definitely deserved defensive player of the week. What about you, Chris? Any thoughts on Zach Wright? Anytime you've got a defensive back with good ball skills, you're, you've got a winner there because he can show up in situations where he did get picks at key times roll the dice, gamble a bit, go for the ball. He's a strong tackler too, which is exactly what you want from a safety. Good ball skill, strong tackler. Hands down, definitely the best player on defense. Yeah, what what I really liked about him was I think his, his stats weren't gaudy. You know, you, you see four and a half tackles, and you're like, oh, that's not a lot. But you got to remember those aren't all like solo tackles either. So it's a mix. And then the two interceptions, one of the balls, he went, he took that thing out the air and it was like clutch. And the other one, he was in the right place at the right time. But it just goes back to his skill and his savvy of knowing where to be and being around the ball. And like what Q said, he was very active in this game. I still feel like sometimes these stats don't, they, I don't think they get them all right. Cause I feel like he had more than four and a half total sat- tackles. But, you know, that's what the stats say after the fact. But that's not why we choose these players. Again, something that came up last week is it's not about the stats, guys. We we choose players that are impacting the game and stand out. 
and number zero stood out. Like we talk about every game after the game and he stood out and throughout the weekend, he was still the guy that we thought was the most impactful on the defensive side of the ball. So congratulations to both offense and defensive player of the week. And let's get into it. In case you missed it, let's talk about some of the other key performances from this week. I'll try to be more brief than I was last week. I still have five guys, but I just kind of run through, you know, their stats and give you like a sentence or two on each one. And if you guys want to add anything, just let me know. My first guy, I think I'm going to keep talking about him every week until everyone else is talking about him. But Christian Nottenen, the wide receiver from Portland Butchers, number seven for anybody that don't know the names. This guy had nine receptions, 141 yards, and a touchdown for the Butchers. He quietly was the best player in the game. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. he stood out, but you couldn't tell he stood out. Like, we even said, like, the um the young guy, Lucas Arela, made some big plays and looked like he might be, you know, like the offensive MVP. But when you look back at all four quarters of the game, they constantly were getting the ball to number seven, and he was coming through for them every time. And it's just like, it mm-hmm. wasn't big splashy plays he had a couple of big catches but mostly he has that like i i consider it a cooper cup type mentality when he plays it's like he gets it done and you're just like surprised every time but he's really consistent and i'm gonna keep giving him his flowers until everyone else does next guy another butcher's guy robert carlson defensive back number nine that's all i can really say <laughs> i didn't know who he was before the game but I did notice a big difference in their cornerback play when there was this number nine playing. He had two tackles, one PBU, one interception. But what stood out about Carlson for me was that he traveled on the field with Cedric Johnson. Like wherever, usually you would have RJ and Cedric on the same same side for the Crusaders. But there was a couple times when they were split, he went to wherever number 14 was. And I don't know the stats, but Cedric didn't really pop out this. And for me, that's a win. Anytime you can slow down Cedric Johnson from having a big a big night, you're doing something right. And that's what Carlson did. He did what exactly what they wanted him to do, was make sure they didn't have liabilities at the cornerback position. Next guy I got is actually from UNC Crusaders, running back Seth Rowland. His stats were gaudy. 17 attempts, 132 yards, 8 receptions, 61 yards, 222 all-purpose yards. For the second time, I think, yeah, the second time this season, he led his team in both receiving and rushing yards. Seth Rowland is the heart of this Crusaders offense, despite Mm -hmm. them trying to pass the ball. Even when they pass it, most of their success goes to when they throw it to him. He had one touchdown catch where the quarterback threw it behind him, and he one hand grabs it and makes the quarterback right on a pass that should have been incomplete, and then scores a touchdown. Like he offensively, as a running back, his offensive line is not good. I, I will continue to say this. Their offensive line is not good, but his vision and his skill set allows him to find holes no matter what the defense does. Because the Butchers' defensive line was much better than UNC's offense. But Seth Rowland was better than anybody on the other side of the ball. And he just made the offensive line what it was. So that's what I got for him. Next guy, this is going to be a surprise for a lot of people. Eric Irvin, defensive back for Senegal Crocodiles. <laughs> tackles, one PBU, one interception. He was really active on the defense. He could have had two interceptions. There was another bad pass I think he should have been able to catch, but, you know, the other DB got in the way, I think, and messed it up for him. But either way, 
Irvin was all over the field for the Crocodiles. What he did that really stood out this week for me was he was active in the pass game as well as he's been known to kind of be more of a support staff for the run game from the safety. But he was actually in coverage a lot of times in the right spots, too, to actually keep the Steelers from being too successful in the pass game. So shout out to him for that. Last guy, and this is a guy that I wasn't high on from last season, but this season he's doing a lot better and crept up onto my radar. Lars Steffen, defensive back from Quopio Steel. In this game, he has six and a half tackles, one PBU, and half a tackle for loss. That's how I know the stats are wrong, because when he had the tackle for loss, he was the only person that made the tackle. How do you get half? <laughs> and I seen him. He he shot through the gap, made the tackle by himself, and I thought it was um Achilles Leroy that made the tackle. Cause that's what he looked like. And in this week, he basically looked like he was playing linebacker. A few, a few of the times, the way that their defense was set, he actually was at like nickel outside linebacker position, but really he would just walk down from safety. And then a few times he would come from safety position and still make tackles at the line of scrimmage or, you know, a couple yards down. He was really aggressive in the run game and it just really stood out that they have help on the back end. Cause that's the point that I thought was going to be a weakness for them was being able to have run support outside of that linebacker. You know, the secondary isn't too much of a tackling group, but Lars Stefan kind of stepped up and I think he was the second leading tackler for this. So it shows that they can actually, you know, do things to run despite what the score was in the game, but that has some, some other stuff, but that not take away from Lars Stefan. He was great. These are the five that stood out to me this week. You guys have anything you want to add or anybody else that you saw stood out this week? No, I don't have anybody. The, the only other guy, Christian Powell. Okay. Calm down. <laughs> How you forget? Did we say the kicker? Did we say the kicker for Sanyoki? Did we do? Did I, we didn't. I didn't. Say I, didn't mention, I didn't mention those guys because I know that we're going to talk about them at the game. That's the only reason. I, this is a, in case you missed it. The guys that we mm-hmm. might not talk about nearly as much when we talk about the game. Now, I, I think it's a fair point with the kicker then. The kicker for Sanayoki. Nice to see him make some extra points and a couple of field goals. Oh, I'm going to talk about him for the game. But yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to talk about him. He was an important part of the game. So uh, next, we'll go to the winner loss. Calling all you skills players, quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, linebackers, cornerbacks, and safeties. If you were born between 2009 and 2003, this midsummer is your opportunity to shine. We'll be hosting our annual AFF Nordic Challenge 7 vs. 7 tournament in Helsinki on June 21st. Top performers will be selected to join the AFF Team Revo 7v7 travel team that will be competing internationally in the autumn season. Team Revo will also play for the European Championship in the spring of 2024. Due to field availability, registration will close once we meet the maximum number of participants. So head over to our website and sign up today. Registration can be completed at AmericanFootballInFinland.com forward slash Nordic dash challenge. So we're up to win or loss. We all know the results of last weekend's game, but let's get into which teams won, which teams lost. First game of the week, you got Porvo Butchers versus UNC Crusaders. Let's remember, at halftime, the Butchers were up 19-14. to 14. So, Q, you go first. Do you think the Ooh. Butchers won or the Crusaders lost? Um, I think the Butchers won. Yeah. Uh, they had a strategy, had a game plan. They came out and, and pretty much executed 
they wanted to get uh, Mickey going, got him going in the running game. He had a, a few times he gashed him. Um, Brandon Gwinter doesn't make too many mistakes with the ball, so um, he put them in a lot of positions to score points, um, and their defense backed it up. Um, I think in this game, Porvo was more put together. I think it was more organized. Um, they made adjustments when they needed to, kind of, to try to stop Seth, but they couldn't really do that. But I think for them holding um, RJ and Seth from having big games, that's what you want, you know, when you're playing against them and because you know, like, where their points are coming from. So if you do lose, you, you say, hey, we lose to Seth. You know, we don't lose in their passing game. So um, Porvo came out with a good plan, a good strategy. They executed it. Um, it wasn't the prettiest game on either side, but one thing Porvo did do better than UNC, that was tackle. Um, UNC had a lot of missed tackles, a lot. And I think that played a part in why Porvo was able to finish a lot of those drives. And in in, in doing in that, um, that kind of puts you out of the game when you, you're right there to make the tackle, but you don't, and then they keep these drives going. So um, Porvo definitely won the game. What about you, Chris? What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I, I agree with Q. I think Porvo definitely won the game. They almost tried to lose it at one point themselves. <laughs> they let UNC back in when they were in control of the game, but they finished well. They finished well, <laughs> which was important for them. Their, their secondary is playing quite well. I think that, as he said, Mickey J was a standout, played well. Their receiver, number seven, quick guy, very quick guy. Is he say, say Lautenen, his name? Nautenen, Nautenen. Nautenen, Christian yeah. Nautenen. Yeah. yeah, this boy's got wheels. He can move. He can definitely ball. And Brandon needs to get him the ball more often. I mean, he, he had, did, he have, did you say he had nine catches? Nine for 141. He, I mean, nine grabs. That's, I mean, geez, that's a good stat line. You get nine, nine grabs, like that's a good stat line. So, they, as Q said, they definitely had a game plan. They executed it well, and they definitely won this game. Um, I agree. I mean, I think we're all in agreeing the, the Butchers won this game. And uh, shout out to the Dallas Cowboys of, of the Maple League for doing what I said they should do. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like I feel like some people from the Butchers might have a chip on their shoulder about me calling the Dallas Cowboys, but Dallas Cowboys are a good team. <laughs> like the it Dallas is. Cowboys are always a team that you think have a chance. I said I picked the Butchers in this game, so I expected them to win. And then when it was 1914 and the Crusaders got the ball in the red zone, I was like, these sons of guns. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh they stood they stood up to the challenge. Uh shout out to the uh DB uh Bikembe Kearney with the strip in the red zone. Like that was clutch. Like that was yeah. one of the one of the few plays in this game, you know, that play as well as the block punt for a touchdown by Nico Penninen. These big plays like that, even even the uh, the long kickoff return from Lucas Erla, even though it got called back, like the fact that they were able to make these big plays, that could be what puts the bitches over, the, in my opinion. That's what could make the playoff instead of on the outside look. Again, it, it's one of those things, they're still the Dallas Cowboys. I, I don't know if they can do this against everybody. I just don't know. I haven't seen enough, and I don't trust them nearly enough. So they have to earn my trust a little bit more. But I am very impressed with the defensive adjustments they made. Putting Miko Seppin in a corner. I've said it before. i say it again. Best cornerback for the Portable Butchers is Miko Seppin. That was smart by putting him out there and then bringing in Carlson on the other side. They short up their cornerbacks and then using their imports to play safety and dropping Nico Royko to that nickel position where he's basically playing outside linebacker, but he's good enough to be in coverage if you need him. 
putting him closer to the ball, it really solved a lot of the issues that I saw from the Butcher's defense going into the season. So apparently they have the personnel to have a really good defense. I would put them as probably like the fourth best defense in the league right now if they continue this group on the back end where I think they had the biggest issue earlier in the season. So it was, I think it was a really good win for the Butcher. I, don't, I feel like we didn't talk much about the Crusaders. So <laughs> throw out some stuff about the Crusaders. They got to get set the ball more often all the time. I think what set them back in this game was trying to get the ball to other people. No offense to RJ and Cedric, their offensive line and their quarterback play doesn't give them the opportunity to the ball. The only time they really had success like in the past game and when RJ had a couple of big plays was when the Butchers did something stupid and put in number 43 a corner and RJ ran mm. by them. Like they, when they finally put in, cause they were up, the Butchers were up and they did what finished teams do. You get ahead, you start putting in backups and then RJ went up there and did something. And then even another thing I think is really weird for the Crusaders is they got desperate and put RJ on defense. And now I know he did really good and I'm not taking anything away from him, but it just showed that they didn't have like any faith that they could make adjustment. That wasn't really an adjustment. That was more of a Hail Mary. I'm really glad he got that interception, but we know that that was just a bad throw. Quarterback should have threw the ball away. But he threw it to the back of the end zone. RJ happened to be there. He got an interception. That's great. When he was playing corner, he was doing really good, but it was too late. The proof was already done. They were going to lose the game. I think the Crusaders really got to do better. They got to do a better job with their play calling on both sides of the ball because they have to remember their defense is not good. If your defense is not good, your offense has to help your defense. And if you're going three and out, they went three and out in their first two series. And next thing you know, they're down 12-0. So at that point, they felt they had to start passing, even though they didn't have to, and they, they weren't able to get out of it. And that's how it went. They're down 19-14. They still could have won this game. I don't I don't think that they would have. I don't think that they're built for four full quarters. And this was evidence of it by how the ending score was, what, 42 to 21. So obviously they don't have the last in power for it, but they have to figure out a way to be more competitive throughout the game instead of just hoping that they can. Because the Butchers, the Royals, the Roosters are going to have similar talent. So what are the Crusaders going to do to make up for that? I know I went on a little long, but I feel like I had to say something. Did y'all have any thoughts on the Crusaders in this one? Um, my biggest thing, like I said earlier, they're just working on tackling. I don't think they're done bringing in players. Yeah, um, no. Yeah, so I think they'll be a different team once these guys start trickling in. They just had some real inexperienced guys playing DB, and they paid the price for it. Um, I do think offensively, the quarterback probably need to make more than one read. Uh, he missed a lot of open routes. Not sure if he was scanning the field or if he was just panicking because of the line. But uh, we'll see how they regroup in the next game. Um, I think they have the Wolverines next, maybe? They got the Steelers. <laughs> they have they the Steelers. Steelers next. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so they're going to they bounce gotta, back, per se. <laughs> yeah, they got a challenge ahead of them this next game. So hopefully they make some adjustments and, and bring a little better than what they brought uh, yesterday. So I mean, the day before. So Chris, no, no last words for the Crusaders? Yeah, I mean, they are what they are, aren't they, the Crusaders? Yeah. There's not much more to say about them. Like you said, I don't think they're done with not bringing in some players. They need some help. Yeah. That's for they'll sure. Be, they'll be a different. Second game was the Helsinki Wolverines versus Helsinki Roosters. Uh, just throwing this out there again. Only watched the first half because it was 41 to zero at half. I don't do second halves with blowouts. Don't make no sense. But, um, just right off the bat, 
if I was to say, obviously the, the Roosters won. And I don't think the Wolverines ever had a chance. They didn't have a chance when they put it on the schedule. But that, that's besides the point. I do think that the Wolverines showed a lot of improvement in this game. I know the, the stats and stuff might not show it, but the way that they played their offense, the play selection, the plays that they actually were able to execute, it looked like they had a plan. And it looked like they knew what to do. And there was some success. Uh, the new receiver, Kev, is it Kevin Adams? Is that the guy's name? Yeah, my guy, Kevin. My guy, yeah. Kevin Adams. I've been hearing about him from Chris. He came in and kind of gave them another option at receiver, which helps for Will Young to kind of – the defense can't just key in on one guy. I think he did a really good job helping. And Rasmus made some really good read. I think I think he's a, he's done a much better job as a quarterback than what I thought that he was capable of. But again, in this game, they just out talented. There's nothing you could do about it. They were just out talented, and this is the way it goes. On the Rooster side, I think we already talked about it earlier. But you know, using Pierce Dumay as your number one guy that, that works out well. Look look really good for them. Uh, what are y'all's thoughts on this game? Um, Roosters obviously overmatched over overmatched them. Um, I didn't expect Wolverines to win a game or anything. I kind of expected to score, but like you said, you always get some good out of some bad. And I, I did see some good things out of the Wolverines' offense. They started doing some misdirection stuff, some motioning, um, just to kind of give themselves a better chance. Um, not having such a strong line, so um, Wolverines don't hold their head down on this one. You played against you know one of the top teams, obviously. Um, the Roosters did get their first win against them, but Wolverines still can, can, can build from what they're doing. I mean, you look around the league, anything can happen, those four, fifth spots. So, uh, I'm not saying the Wolverines are there yet, but it's still time, still early in the season, but I did see some good things from them. So they just keep working on it and try to keep figuring out a way to, to, to score some points. What about you, Chris? Yeah, the, the Roosters definitely won this game. I mean, there's no second guessing that, but. I've got to talk about my boy Kevin Adams because <laughs> this, this, this guy, uh, slot guy, he had nine catches for 92, I think. So they're getting him the ball. They're finding ways to get the ball. He made some circus catch on the sideline as well, which is just insane. And I've, I've, I've first time I played with this guy last year here in, in Bristol. And the guy is a true team player as well. I don't have a bad word to say about him. He's such a nice guy. He, he'll he help all those other receivers there as well because he's a damn good coach. Like some of the intricate things that he knows about the receiver position is so good. So a little bit of praise for the Wolverines. I, as I say, what you said about Rasmus, I think he made some decent reads in that game, but play calling will help him. Mm-hmm. So if the play calling's good and, you know, they're hitting those uh, low to intermediate routes rather than trying to go deep or trying to trying to get the ball downfield too quickly. That's where they were successful. Um, and then we talk about the Roosters. I mean, this this guy, Pierce Dumay, I mean, he, he came to play and they've got to keep using him because yeah. he's just, he's a freak. He's just an athlete and getting him the ball in the run game, the pass game, the receiving game. He's just, he's just something else. So yeah, I mean, the Roosters definitely won this game. There's no two two questions about it. Last thing I want to say about this game, I don't know why I didn't leave with this, but we have our first 50 burger of the season. As a matter of fact, they put up 60 something, almost 70. It was 68, right? 68. Yeah. So they had a a 50 burger. They added two slices of cheese, lettuce, tomato, (laughs) pickle. They didn't put no bacon on it. I feel like if you get 70, that's when you put the the bacon on there. (laughs) Get lettuce and tomato normally, then. You have one piece of cheese, but since they had a, a 50 burger, they're like, you know what? Throw on that extra. We'll pay that 70. 
nothing. Let's go Roosters. Mm-hmm. I appreciate mm-hmm. them doing that in week three. I like to see a couple more 50 burgers this season. I feel like if you can do it, do it. At least the Roosters were able to do it. And this was one of those games where they felt like, I mean, it's a derby game, rivalry, supposedly. I feel like it's one of those one-sided rivalries. But at the same time, they they kept scoring until, you know, the Wolverine stopped them. And that's really good. And good to see the first 50 burger of the season. Hopefully we get a couple more. Mm-hmm. So, game of the week. Uh, in, in week three, it only took till week three. Uh, Cobell Steelers versus Senior Crocodiles. And we all know the Crocodiles got came away with the win in this one. I just want to preface before we even get into it that, like, this, the, we're in week three. Now, week, three weeks over in the Maple League, and nobody's undefeated. Throw that out there. I mean, there's obviously a technicality in that, but I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. We got to play what we got. I mean, just like they were just throwing people out the game for, you know, anything. I still don't know what uh, the Steelers guy did. I get what the Crocodiles guy did, but I don't know what the Steelers guy did. I didn't see what happened, why he got ejected. But before we even, yeah, before we get into it, just thought real quick who won and who, or did someone win or was it a loss? Like, like just, just say it real quick, and then we get into it. I, what do you think, Q? Like, I don't even know. I, I, I think the Shanyogi Crocodiles won the game. I don't think Corpio lost the game. I think the Shanyogi Crocodiles. And the film shows me that. The film shows that Crocodiles were pretty much um, controlling the game in, in such an aspect, in, in, a, in, a, in a certain aspect of it. They went up 13-0. Um, that's what I, and this is what, what I said last week, what are they going to do when they get down and Ambrose, ha- Ambrose have to throw them back in the game. And this is what happens when, when you, 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 you put the confidence in, in your guy, but at the same time, you got to live through it when it's not going good too. So it's something that he obviously got to learn from, but we seen the chink in the armor. Of the Corpio Steelers because we've been seeing it all season. <laughs> Oof, man, because uh, oh my goodness, seven. I, I, I mean, barely scored two touchdowns, but oof, hey, Crocs, Crocs won. What about you, Chris? Here's my take, right? I, I'm going to say two things here. Okay. Christian Powell won the game. <laughs> okay. The offensive coordinator for the Steelers lost the game. How Damn. in the hell are you only giving my guy reason over 16 touches? Come I, on now. I, I, hold on. I can't let you just throw the, the OC on the Yeah, you can't, you can't like, do him like that. If, <laughs> if you're watching the game, I understand the touches. Like, obviously, you want reason over to get more touches. But some of the plays that the, the Steelers didn't convert on, the play was good. The, a lot of times, the guy was open. And just because hey. the players don't make the plays, you can't look back, you know, and say hindsight 2020, you should just hand it off the reason over. I don't know. But, I mean, if that's how you feel about it, I mean, that's your I mean, that, that's that's how I feel. I mean, here's my, here's my proper answer now. Here's my proper answer. I think the Crocodiles won the game, mm-hmm. and I, I, I definitely believe that they won the game. They had a better play, play, play uh, selection scheme. Yeah. Selection, that's the word I'm looking for. There we go. And they called the game well. They gave the they gave the ball to their playmakers. They did the right things. And the Steelers, I mean, Ambro, bro, 
Those first two picks were horrendous. I'm sorry, I'm pulling <laughs> out. It, they it were been three. It could have been three. Who, who who are you throwing the ball to? The first one over the middle, like who are you throwing that to? He like, threw the 44 he, just for straight to him. He overthrew a. Uh, he overthrows the the middle routes when they're crossing over the middle. He he has a high release. He lets it go yeah. and it'll sell over. Him. It's got to be his mechanics because he made the right read. But the throw is just off, so it's, it's got to be his mechanics. If it, if I was to make mine, I say first of all, anybody that says that the crocodiles didn't win this game, that's just disrespectful. I couldn't do you like that. <laughs> they came out here, they they went to Sequopio and put it on them from the which is hard, yeah, which is hard. <laughs> and it's not like they, it's not like they went out there and you know scraped by. Got lucky. You call you say what you want to about those interceptions, but none of them interceptions went back for six. Their offense still had to get on the field and then do what they do. And then they had a kicker come out there and boot a forty-two yarder. You're like, why are they going for a field goal? Oh, because they can. Boom. Yeah. Uh, Boom. I'm looking at his name here so I can say it right. Etu Makimonis. I can't be right, but Makimonis. Uh, I'm gonna call him Etu. Etu came out there, booted a forty-two yarder, and that thing could have went for another ten. He booted mm-hmm. a 42 yarder and it was like three feet from the top of the um oh, yeah. post. Like that it had room to go. So him having three field goals in this game just kind of let you know where the crocodiles are in terms of being able to play a tough game if they need to. Like if it come down mm-hmm. to it, they know they can get to the 30 yard line and can field goal. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else in the Maple League can legitimately say that and be confident the way that they are. Um and the cre- the fact that he did it in week three. So now we can bake on this for the rest of the season. That's really cool because it's one of those yeah. things where later on in the season, this that that changes field position. Being able to get points from not having to go the entire field. I think if I was to be honest with myself, the Crocodiles did win the game, but no, the but Steelers. <laughs> to me, this just again, I'm just putting it out here. The Steelers were were the better team, but what? they would play better. I, I've said it before, and I, I think I wrote it in the article I wrote or something, too, is that for the Crocodiles to win this game, they'd have to play their best game. And before this week, we had not seen their best game. That was their best game. Like, the game that they just played was better than anything we saw them play last year. Like, the way that they played that game was one of the best games we've seen the Crocodiles play this year, for sure. It's only week three. Before that game, we'd never seen that. So I had no reason to believe that they were able to do that. And now that they are... I. I would still, I would still say that I would say right now the Crocodiles are the best team in the league, and I still think that the Steelers are a better team, but they won't play better on. Them. And it goes back to what we always said about their team is them entrusting Ambro to lead the team. It makes them not as good of a team as they could be, and this was perfect evidence of it. How many times have we said that you know just give Christian Paul the ball, just give Christian Paul the ball, and the Crocodiles they don't always do it, but. He had 30-something carries in this game. 34. 34 carries. Carries, and he had two catches as well. I said for them to win, he need 40 touches. He damn near had 40 touches. Mm. That's that's the difference in these two teams to me, and I'm still talking very general, is that the Crocodiles came in this game saying, we want to win. We will do what it takes to win. The Steelers came in this game saying, we are going to play our style. And if we win, great, but we still think that we're good enough to win. Well, they're not. Crocodiles showed that they have probably the best defense in the Maple League, which means that's the defense that can stop the the um, Steelers because the Crocodiles are the only team 
so far this season to keep their opponents like under three touchdowns on a good, against their good opponents. I'm not talking about the Wolverines, mm-hmm. but again, it's the Maple League. You just need thirty to so you need thirty to win. Like that's the rule. But the Crocodiles have beat a very good, not a very good, but a, a playoff contending Roosters team twenty-one to fourteen, mm-hmm. and then they just beat the Steelers twenty-four to fourteen. No one else can say that they played a team not called the Helsinki Wolverines and just kept them to under three scores. Mm. That defense is is legit real, but also on the other side, you got Christian Paul doing whatever he wants to. So, in my opinion, yeah. the Steelers took them too lightly. Back to what uh, Chris said about the, the play calling, you know, a lot of those plays were good play calls, but you're trusting someone that – shouldn't be trusted at this point in the season and the quarterback that is inconsistent in his throws. But also, I don't want to blame Ambrose too much. I mean, I do think he should have thrown the interception, and a lot of it was because he has bad bad ball placement and made a, a bad decision. One time it was double coverage. He tried to force it in there. But one thing I saw from the Steelers – he did. Oh yeah, he did have a third one later on. It should have been four picks. Yeah. 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 One later on, should have yeah. been four. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot yeah. he threw one later in the game. He should have had mm-hmm. three picks in the first quarter. If that yeah. makes sense, that's what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. He had two picks mm-hmm. in the first quarter. He should have had three, but they let one get through. I think the number five jumped up and touched it, and it was gonna go to Irvin, but number five like jumped up and missed it, and they missed it. But it should have been three picks in the first quarter, and that goes back to what we saw from the Roosters quarterback in the first game. That's just not good. But it, mm-hmm. even later on in the game, there was times um, Vincent McDonald had some big drops on third down. And then when they were trying to score right before the half, he gets hits in the hand with the ball, drops. Him. And you're like, well, you know, Ambrose, not, uh, his receivers didn't help him out too much. Uh, Haru dropped the pass as well. There was drop passes. Out. And, of course, he missed some. of the, He threw some bad balls as well. But all of this is stuff that you would expect from the Steelers. And so far we've seen them win despite that. The Crocodiles have proven to be the team that you can't make these type of mistakes again. So all respect yeah. goes to the Crocs for that. But you do have to remember that these are mistakes that the Steelers kind of making themselves make. Because we've said it before, you know, you decide to go with the young quarterback, you're going to have to deal with what happened. So they put themselves in this situation. Um, I th- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but I, but just to, just to caveat off what you said, um, if you look at the stats, you know, Russian went to the Crocs and Patterson went to Corpio. Other than that, the only other major stat that stood out where they were different in was the turnovers. And anytime you have a young quarterback um, that throws that many interceptions in the first quarter, it doesn't just affect the drive itself. It affects the confidence of the team. Um, but now going forward, if, okay, the Crocs score off of those, and get some momentum at your home field. It's going they to be a long off day every for turnover. you. They scored off yeah. every turnover. Yeah, so it's so you're going to have a long day. I think a very important thing too was that the Crocs um, chose how they were going to win, and they said it's going to be through power. Yeah. Uh, Corpio obviously said we're going to let Ambro throw the ball because maybe they felt like they could probably get you know they like you said they had a lot of open stuff, but I don't think they 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 thought that. Uh, it wouldn't work against the Crocs. You know what I'm saying? Because they they, they disrespect the Crocs defense. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to the secondary for the Crocodiles for stepping up. Like reason, reason over having 16 carries, um, just shows you that they chose Ambro over him this game. Um, they were the Crocs weren't up a big amount to where they couldn't still run reason over. Like they still could have ran him, gave him 30 carries, and they probably would have been a little closer in the game or won the game maybe. But we'll never know now. But 
Dude, I, just, I want to throw this out there. Don't don't you yeah. feel like a deja vu when they played the Roosters? These were the yeah. same things we were saying. Like, yeah, this is the same issue a couple weeks later because obviously you're not playing the Wolverines, but it's the same issues that we've seen when they played against two good teams, the Roosters and the Crocodiles. And the difference being Crocodiles are better than the Roosters, which they've proven. And so now the, the Steelers see that, you know, this is only going to take you so far. Unfortunately, they're, they're going to have to find out if there's another team in between the Crocodiles and Rooster. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to. But it's, it's you know, it was a it was a good game. I I, I know reason over is, is uh, just from talking to him, I, I know he hate, he probably hates this L more than any L he probably took um, because it was getting chippy out there. You know, they were talking. It was a lot going on out there. But at the same time, it feels better when you're winning and you're talking. Um, I know Reasonable probably feels like if he had 30 carries, it would have been a lot different. Um, but I just think Corpio, still early in the season, obviously. They got to play again, but they got to play in San Diego. Um, anybody ever played out there, been out there? No, it's hard to win in San Diego. Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't care who you are. It's hard to win in San Diego. And they play good there. They play great there. Um, that's it. And that's a, just to give a shout-out to the San Diego Crocodiles organization. Since I've been a part of Finland football, I can't remember too many times where too many seasons where they were just bad. You know what I mean? They had a little stretch where they had like one or two years where they were kind of bad, you know, winning two, three games. But for the most part, these guys have been consistent over years of coming into games like this and playing against the best teams, the Roosters back when the Roosters was good, the, uh, the Butchers were the top teams. The Crocodiles have always fought like this. It doesn't matter who's on the team. You got guys like you, honey who's been playing there for years because of people like him, they, the other guys have confidence to, 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 to not be afraid of reason over to, you know, to not be afraid of these guys that they play against. And then you come in and you get a win like this, hands down the crock should be three and no, they're not due to te- technicality, but this is a big win for them because now they get a little somewhat break. So now the crocodiles are looking like, Hey, we already played, you know what I mean? <laughs> two of the, two of the best teams, uh, butchers, uh, UNC Wolverines, boys. Hey, Crocs should be five, six, and zero oh at that point. You know what I mean? So, Corpio Cor- still gonna be up there. Not not taking this away from. Not saying that they're not gonna be still good. But this is a big, big win, more for the Crocs than a, than it was a big loss for Corpio. So, if yeah. Corpio look at it that way, it's like, all right, like we lost to the team that, in, in aspects of things, we seeing down the future that probably is gonna be in it. You know yeah. what I mean? But. You can't play them like you played them this time. Ambrose cannot get three turnovers. The, the Crocs didn't have any. Whitehead had 63 yards of passing. 63 in, yards. In what <laughs> world do you look at the stat line and one quarterback throws for almost 200, another one doesn't even throw for 80, and <laughs> and the one that threw for like 60 yards, you never see Bro, that happen. He had nine completions in a four-quarter game. Nine completions and only threw the ball 15 times. Like they made a decision, said if we lose, we're gonna lose because y'all stop power and majority of people cannot stop him. So shout out to the Crocs offensive coordinator. Shout out to the Crocs offensive coordinator for making the decision. We going with him. And shout out to the Crocs defensive coordinator. Like you got you got a job done that a lot of teams can't get done. You know what I mean? I don't know if they had like Chris say they had help from the offensive coordinator for Corpio because he chose not to not to use reason over like that. You know what I mean? But, so, but but credit to that Crocodiles defense. They they bottled him up early and kind of put the the Steelers in a situation where 
you can't just hand him. You'd have to find another way to give him the ball, and the Steelers weren't about to do that. It was it was yeah. interesting to see that you know Reason Over wasn't heavily in the pass game. They're, they've shown in the past that there's ways to get Reason Over the ball. Actually, they can look at the team they played against and see how Crocodiles get the ball to Christian Paul. They don't just hand it yeah. to him every time. There's a lot of different ways to do it, and the Steelers just weren't really up to the challenge in this one. I, I'd like mm-hmm. to talk about that Crocodiles defensive line. Um, they were missing Philip Zackett, and they were still holding tight. Like, mm-hmm. th- that defensive line was winning all game with guys that are good, not great. Obviously, Elijah Wilson, great. Seth Zins, great. But then the other two guys, actually the kicker, Etu, was out there, and then the other one is number 56. I, don't, I can't remember his name. Sorry, I can't remember right now. But together, those four were holding tight and forcing the Steelers, well, not really, but, you know, making the Steelers uncomfortable with sticking to the run game. And that's a credit to them as being one of the, the best defensive as well. Their linebacking core, Yuhani Kovamaki, and um, was it Sado Jalo? They did a really good job, you know, bringing in pressure, but also in coverage when they needed to. It was just, I was really impressed by the Crocodiles on both sides of the Offensively, I mean, they just gave it to Powell, so it's easy. But if you have them, why not? And then defensively, they they gave the Steelers more than what the Steelers could handle. And they're the only ones to do that so far. Probably the only one they're capable all year. And it's just really good for them to put it all together. That's what we hadn't seen from their all together. This matchup, they did when they needed to. And like you said, Q, they needed this win more than the Steelers did, I guess. But they got it also. That's what kind of will be what gets them over the hump. Now we can't say, oh, but the crocodile. I just want to throw this out there. I kind of was looking back at like the schedules from the last couple of years because, you know, Steelers are a dynasty. They've won three championships and they've had like, um, undefeated season they've only lost like three times in the last four years since 2020 since that that first uh championship season they lost three times two of those times to the crocodiles on that out there i think that means something i, I want to say the other one too. who was the other uh, one too it says they lost to the oh. crusaders in 2021 like 58 to 54 or 51 or something like that no no wait you're saying you're saying corpio hasn't lost yeah these are the only at times home no, just loss in general. Just has a they schedule. Lost the, then they lose to the Roosters the first game of the season in um, 2000. No, they that? beat the Roosters that in the first game, didn't they? In the first, I thought I thought the Roosters beat them in the first game one season. What year? Like 2000. I'm, I'm looking. I want to say it had to be 21. It wasn't 21. 21 standards and schedules. I believe the Roosters beat them the first game one season. Uh, they didn't play them first in 21. It says oh, that's the first time playing. It says in twenty one. It only says they played eight games in twenty one. They only everybody only played eight in games in twenty one. The Steelers beat the Roosters thirty five thirty two. Yeah, in the first game. In the first but game, it has it on July thirtieth, not in the first game in twenty twenty one. Okay, so yeah, okay. But I think it was two thousand nineteen. They played them in the first game. It could have been that year. Yeah, let me look at it. Yeah, two thousand nine. But also the Steelers won that game. <laughs> I thought I thought the Roosters beat the Corpio at least one time. Mm, actually, no. In 2019, the Steelers went nine and three, and they beat the Roosters twice. <laughs> mm, okay, and that was 2019, and then mm. but they went like nine and three or something, and then 2020. Yeah. Five games, but they lost one. They <laughs> lost to they lost to the Crocodiles in that, yeah. in that championship seat, that first championship. Was that, was that Spencer then? 
Was that Spencer then, man? I think so. No, no, no. Spencer yeah. was twenty one, right? He was the he was the year. Yeah, he was he wasn't that year. Oh, okay. I thought Spencer the year, beat him. They lost in twenty twenty one, they lost at the end of the season, they lost fifty to fifty eight to UNC. I remember that. It was a random loss at the end of the yeah. season. Oh, Rob game. was playing. That was when Rojo playing. just went off. Rojo, yeah. Rojo yeah. just went off. It turned into a shootout for no reason. Yeah. It had nothing to do with nothing. And then they were undefeated last year. Yeah, so that, again, last four years, they lost three games, two of them to the Crocodile. I'm just throwing it out there as random information. Chris, you have anything you want to add on this game before we move on? Uh, I mean, you kind of touched on it. What makes the win even more impressive Yes, they were missing a couple of key guys like Philip Zakop and uh, Sarkola as well, the other Sarkola, Yami. So, yeah, I mean, hats off, Crocodiles, well done. But, but. you got to play him again. you got to play him again. And it was yeah. interesting. I'm, I'm going to touch a little bit on that social media post that went up as well. So that's mm. with them celebrating in the changing room. I mean, hey, if that's your Super Bowl and that's all you want from this season, Ooh, is, is that the way that you're doing it? Is 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 that what is that what this season is? Hey, you gotta mm. back it up next time you play him now though. Just back it up. Hey, if you back it up, fair play. You know, a random thing just came to my mind because I was like, Well, I guess it's kinda like when you win the botnia bowl, right? <laughs> you just get all excited <laughs> about winning a game. But here's my question. Didn't they beat the Royals in the Botnia Bowl but get that game changes lost? Did they have to get back the trophy? Like how does that work? Put them all Yeah, that's that's weird. It, the whole weird. thing was weird. It just popped in my Super mind weird. where you're talking about them like celebrating this win. But I I think it's one of those situations. Again, I know everybody we talked about in our group that you know social media is gonna be crazy after this because you know, crocodiles win. I think it's all all good sportsmanship that if they're excited about winning the game. They should be excited. It's a game. You win. I would have been more <laughs> upset or like confused if I would have seen, you know, bottles popped or cigars being <laughs> like that. I would like a little much. But I, I think it's I all in good fun. If you win, you should be excited about winning. If you beat the team that everybody supposedly thought was going to be the best team, you should be excited. And the Crocodiles, they should have been excited. What is kind of a, I don't, I'm trying not to curse too hard on it, but what I think is a little bit, you know, petty is if you are on the losing side and you start, you know, getting into personal attacks or saying that, oh, it don't really matter that you won. Like that's, I feel like that's a little beneath what everyone around here is about. A win is a win. Like a win is a win. And if you win, you should celebrate. You should feel good about it. Um, some people should not try to take away from this win and say, well, they won because of it. No, they won. Innocent is there. Even us on here, we've all, you know, kind of conceded and agreed. The Crocodiles won this game. They were the better team on the field that day. And that is what it is. And they deserve to be celebrated for it. And we've talked about them, and I would like to say a positive light, because they won the game. But again, the Steelers, on the other hand, they lost the game. It's a game. There's more to come. They will see each other once, probably twice. Right? Almost no matter how it shakes out, both of these teams make playoffs. They're going to see each other probably again in the regular season in Sinioki and then either in Corpio or Sinioki again, depending on where they want to meet yeah. up. And if I'm the Crocs, I'm feeling good, though. I ain't going to lie. I, right? Yeah. If, 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 I, if, if, I'm playing, if I'm playing against the Dynasty, the Dynasty uh, team, and, and, and we shut down that running back, we – 
we win the game by more than two, you know, two tubs. Like I'm, I'm feeling good right now. Um, celebrate wise, yeah, I probably had yellow vine in the locker room, probably pop champagne, cigars, everything. Because sometimes there are games like that where it's like people feel like you don't have a chance, or maybe feel like you know you, you're gonna lose bad or something like that. So when you when you worked all off season for this team, like when you when you know like all right, last year this is the reason why we didn't win. You know what I mean? And then you come back to this year and say, hey, now we have the pieces and the players to to not only compete with them, but to beat them. So I can understand a, a little, you know, they was feeling a little good in the locker room, start tagging and, you know, why, all that stuff. Started why coming. wouldn't you at this point? Like, <laughs> look at where both of these teams are in the season. They're both two and one after week three, and they've already probably played the best defenses they're going to play. I won't say best offense, but I I don't think you can say there's better defenses out there right now outside of the Crocodiles, Steelers, and Roots. I think mm-hmm. you might, I, from what I saw, maybe the Butchers might be as, as a top four defense. But honestly, these the teams they play so far for both of these teams, that's probably the toughest it's going to get for you to score your 40 points, your 30 points mm-hmm. to you know win. Everyone mm-hmm. else is going to give you 30. Like you're gonna get yeah. your point. And then you and then you look at both of these teams, they have two of the best defense. If you yeah. know your offense is gonna score 30 and you know your defense can get the team under 30, you're looking good for the rest of the season. And now the crocodile's like, and we're two we're two and one should be three and oh at this point. That's exactly where we thought we wanted to be. Yeah. That they wanted to be two and oh they wanted to be two and one or three and oh at this point. And it's even better that they're two and one and haven't beat the Steelers because mm-hmm. they feel through and that's that's a really good place to be and again kudos to them for going to Quopio and doing what you got to do so we'll move on yeah yeah American football in Finland 